Alrighty. Well, welcome, guys. My name is Eli. If you don't know me yet, sorry, I'm yelling. I like to talk loud. Sorry about that, dude. Um, but my name is Eli. If you don't know me yet, I work here. It's crazy. I'm young, but I get to work here. I'm the next gen associate at Houston's First, so I get to be here on Wednesday nights with you guys, which is an absolute blessing. Love working with Mark. Love doing all these things. But I was asked to help out with the big questions, and I'm so excited for tonight because I ask a lot of questions. If you don't know me yet, I will ask you as many questions as I can. The people who were stuck with me during Rush Week Day got to figure that out. I learned everything I could about them, including their least favorite animals, to their favorite thing about God. Like, I, I go all out there. So I'm going to ask you guys a quick question, and then we're going to dive straight into this, okay? I don't want you to say a word, but in your head, know your answer and think about what your neighbors are thinking. Because one of y'all is really bad at this. If you had the choice between Chick-fil-A and McDonald's, which one are you going to choose? Chick-fil-A. Guys, I, I, we went straight for the in the head to, oh, we're all going to speak everything. No, not today, Judas. We're not doing that right now. That doesn't make sense either, so good job. Well, we're going to dive into the big questions, and Mark got to touch base on this amazing question last week and actually got, got to build us up for what this week is going to be like. This week's question is where do I belong or where do you belong? And honestly, that is a hard question to ask, especially as a teenager growing up, middle school, high school. We are told by everybody where we belong. We're told where to go to college. We're told what to study in school. We're told what sports to play, what instrument to do. We're told so many things on where to belong, but oftentimes we forget where we actually find the answer on where to belong. So today I'm actually going to find three answers for you guys in nothing other than the Bible. The Bible is an amazing answer. It is the first ever Google, and it is better than Google itself. So that, that was a really bad sigh, but I'll take it. So diving into where I belong or where do you belong We need to know what the word belonging means. We need to know what we're talking about when we hit this. So if you look in the Webster Dictionary, it says, that's that's a good, there you go. It says an affinity for a place or situation. Who here understands what at all that says? My middle schoolers are lying. Let's switch to the next one. (laughs) I'm sorry. All right. This sense of belonging that we're touching base on tonight is a sense of belonging where you are safe to be the you that you actually are, not the you that others want you to be or others, what you want others to see. You see, God made us all in his image. You look in Genesis and you read that. He literally said, you are very good. That's fantastic thing. That's just a fantastic thing to know. So today we're going to be jumping into one of my favorite books of the Bible, Isaiah. Isaiah, it's an amazing book, but we're going to be in Isaiah 43, 1. And that's where we're just going to dive straight into. And we're finding two of our answers right there and then. We have three answers to the question, where do I belong? We're finding two literally in the beginning. So everybody give me an air five right now for that. I'm making your job so much easier by doing this. So Isaiah 43.1, it says, now this is what the Lord says. The one who created you, Jacob, and the one who informed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Now, something important that you need to learn to do when you are reading the word is you don't read just one verse. It's very hard to understand what you're reading if you only read one thing. So let's give a little bit of a background to what's happening right now. These Israelites, these people of Judah, they're in fear of what's going on in their lives. 
because they are in constant fear of exile of their people. So this is God right now in Isaiah 43.1 responding to that fear. And he says, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. With that answer that God gave us, he turned around and he gave us two characteristics of himself by reminding us of it. The first thing that he mentioned to us is do not fear for I have redeemed you. Christ redeemed you. God redeemed you. He took you from a sinner to a believer. He took you from death to life. And we're going to dive into that later. But that's one characteristic that it shows. And the second one is I have called you by name. You are mine. So the first point of today of us to truly dive into this is where do I belong? You belong with the one who knows you. You belong with the one who knows you by your name. Now, that is a crazy thing to know, and that's a crazy thing to hear because oftentimes you don't know who really knows you. I know in middle school, I didn't even go by Eli. I went by Elijah, and I thought it was a cool little thing to be like, oh, yeah, check me out. I'm Elijah. You don't even know who I am. I would make Bible jokes like, I won't ever die. Did you know Elijah never died? It's crazy. But I would make those jokes. I would be the funny guy. I would be the class clown, the sports guy, all that jazz. I'll put on a facade so that people got to know who Elijah is, but wouldn't let people get to know who Eli is, who really I am. And oftentimes we're in a world right now, the climate of this world is there is no sense of what belonging really is because everything's true apparently. That's not true at all. Everything is true in here, but not everything is true out there. It's kind of crazy to hear. So first answer, you belong with the one who knows you. Let's go back to the one who redeemed you. You belong with the one who redeemed you. It says in Colossians, if you want to flip there, if you have your Bibles, if not, you know what? I've got your back. I have mine, and I'm glad I do. So it says in Colossians 1.13, he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. We belong with the one who redeemed us. You belong with the one who redeemed you. We're going to do something real fun, and I want you to hold up your hand like this. Now, this is about to get really hard, but I need you to be completely honest with yourself when I do this. I'm going to name off a few things. And if in this past month, I really only care about this past month, if you put down a finger, just go for it, all right? If you've done it, you just put down the finger, okay? Be honest with yourself because this is not for your neighbors to look at. Neighbors, don't look at your friend's hands. Look at your own hand. Get to know your own hand. It's awesome. God made it. So first things first, have you ever lied in the past month? Have you ever dishonored your father or mother in the past month? Have you cheated? Have you stolen? EJ, stop. Let's just go after this real quick. Have you even thought about something higher than God as your God? Have you put your phone over reading the Bible? Have you put social media over everything? Have you looked at your likes more than you looked at your Bible? I don't care where your hand's at right now, but I know I'm at nothing. And we only went through five. We only went through five of the 10 commandments. And guess what? Looking at all of you, because no one has their five hands, I'm gonna be very blunt. And this is going to be kind of scary to say. The way your hands are right now, without Christ, you are all deemed to hell. 
Hate saying it. That is the truth to the matter. Without Christ, this is what you have. Christ lived a perfect life with these ten fingers still up, not doing one of those things. Never did any of those sins. Lived a perfect life and died on the cross for us, for the people who can't last a month or even a day without putting down a finger. He redeemed us. He loved us so much to give up his perfect life for us to have an opportunity with him. Something I got to love doing last year, I got to work with the preteens at the Cypress campus for a long time. And we talked about this three-circle thing about sharing Christ. And we always talked about this broken world and how Jesus changed it into a perfect world. He changed it into a perfect world in a sense that when you are a Christian, you have a perfect opportunity to see God again. The world's not going to be perfect when you become a Christian. I can promise you that right now. The minute I became a Christian, my mom got her second divorce. And it hurt me so much that I had no clue what was going on. I yelled at God. I was like, what are you doing? This is wrong. You're not God. But that's what happens. He doesn't make it a perfect world, but he gives you a perfect opportunity. He redeemed you. So let's do something that I absolutely love doing. I love flipping through the Bible. It's one of my favorite things in the world. When I read the New Testament, I try to match it with the Old Testament. When I read the Old Testament, I try to match it with the New Testament. So we're going to go through a few people that God used by giving them a sense of belonging that really didn't seem likely. One of my favorite things that I've gotten to learn in the past five months, honestly, was I have this coffee date with one of my buddies, Bo Parker. He's an awesome guy, one of my mentors. But he and I met together one day, and I was struggling so much with what my calling is, what my meaning, what my belonging sense is. And he reminded me that God calls the unlikely, not the likely. So we're going to go through this awesome group of people who God called who were not at all likely, just like each and every one of us. So first, we're going to start out with big boy Moses. Who here knows who Moses is? Oh, I'm so glad you know who Moses is. He is amazing. I love that guy. You see, Moses, he was thrown in a river as a baby, all right? Super crazy. I can't imagine being thrown as a river as a baby. That sounds weird. I didn't want to be in a basket. Glad I didn't have to. He went on, lived with royalty, winded up killing someone, getting sent away from Egypt, and then God saying, no, go back and deliver my people. Moses had all these weird things going on in his life, but God gave him a sense of belonging by saying, I am with you. I am who I am. And he sent Moses back, and Moses did what he was supposed to do. Up next, we have Solomon. This guy comes from the craziest lineage I've ever heard in my life. Did you know this man, Solomon, who prayed for wisdom, who gave us an exact example of what we're supposed to do pursuing knowledge, came from someone who turned an entire kingdom around in a sense. So David saw Solomon's mother bathing one day. And it all turned around from there. But Solomon took that hardship, took that weirdness in the background, and God used it. He gave him a sense of belonging. And Solomon went on and set an example for each and every one of us as believers. Let's jump into the New Testament real quick. I love the disciples. Because not one of them was worthy of Christ. Not one of them was worthy of Christ. If you, I'm not going to name them off by name. Instead, I'm going to name them off by their jobs before Christ came along. Are you guys ready for this? So first things first, we had a doctor. That sounds, that sounds helpful, right? Up next, we have a zealot. Does anybody know what a zealot is? 
That is a trained assassin, okay? I'm not joking. Mark, am I wrong? I'll take it. There you go. <laughs> Helpful. <laughs> there was also a thief. There was also a tax collector. There were five fishermen. But we have three more, right? If y'all could count, we have three more. Those three, they were never proved to have any jobs. Jesus used all those people, although they seemed so unlikely. He used them and made them likely. He gave them a sense of belonging. Now we're going to go into my, one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And I will gladly point anyone to her one day. Her name is Mary of Bethany. Not Mary who gave Jesus birth kind of thing. Not, not the other Mary. This is Mary of Bethany. Mary of Bethany was the woman who sat at Jesus' feet like this while her sister was cleaning up the house and doing everything else for the family, for the disciples in the house. Mary was the person who broke all the rules in that time just to listen to Jesus. You see, in that time period, if you were to sit at the feet of a lord, of a king, of a high person, of a ruler, you had to be seen uh, deemed as worthy. You had to be deemed as righteous. But women were not looked at like that at all. They were looked at as the housewives, the people who cleaned, who cooked, who did all those things. But Mary recognized who Jesus was and recognized the need of listening to what he said. Jesus accepted Mary for who she was, just as he does for us. So we're going to jump back into the question of where do I belong? 1 John 3.1 is one of my favorite verses I could ever read in the Bible. And if you just read the beginning of it, you'll understand why. I believe it's on the screen. If not, that's okay. Is it going to be? There it is. Awesome. I love it. All right. See what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. We're going to hit our third point of today of where do I belong. And this is, I need everybody's attention for this. No one laying down, everybody looking at me, because this is probably the most important thing you're going to hear tonight. Where do I belong? In the house of God. In the house of the Father, the one who created you, who knows you by name. We literally read about how he redeemed us, about how he knew us. And now he's saying we are his children. We are his sons and daughters. He adopted us into his family, into his royal priesthood. That is one of the best things you could ever hear. But I hate to break it to you, answering the question of where do I belong, you cannot do unless you know him. You cannot do unless you know who Jesus truly is. My best friend, Luke, I know everything I can about him. His favorite color is purple. His favorite animal is a tiger. I will go on and on and on about Luke. I know a lot about Luke and he knows a lot about me. We are asked in that same sense to have that kind of relationship with Christ. But I don't want to say this, but I'm going to say it anyways. I don't think half of y'all know who Christ really is. It's easy to say you're a Christian, but are you willing to walk it out? Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We are called to be imitators of who Jesus is in our schools, in our homes, at work, on the field, in the band hall, wherever we're at. And it's often difficult. I know it is hard. In high school, I led the Houston area in the most red cards in soccer. That's not something to be known for. But Christ will turn it around and use it. He actually loves you so much that he'll forgive all that bad stuff. 
that he's willing to cast it away so that he can have a relationship with you. And it's not the kind of relationship where, oh, I, I didn't study for the test today. I'm gonna blow my whistle, call for Jesus. Jesus, come help me. Oh, I hurt my leg. Jesus, come help me. It's the kind of relationship that you're walking side by side each and every day talking. It's the kind of relationship that you wanna be there and know him. Not just know him like you know some of your friends in school. Not just know him like you know some of your teammates in school, but know him like you should know yourself. You will never truly know yourself or know where you belong unless you know him. You see, one of my favorite things I've ever heard, my grandfather told me this growing up. My favorite saying he's ever told me was, know him, know his love, and share his love. It's a process. You have to do all three, but you have to go through that line period of know him, know his love, and share his love. A lot of us are in still, still in the place of knowing who he is, of knowing who his love, who's, what his love is. So tonight, I actually am going to challenge you guys. It's going to be weird. It's going to get awkward. And I really don't mind. Awkward is better than anything. Weird is better than normal. My challenge for you guys is you ask a question in just a second. In your head, we're going to go completely silent. I love the silence. In your head, ask the question, put your phones away, don't do anything, but think this question. Do I truly know who Jesus is? Do I truly have a relationship with him? Because if not, I don't know what you're doing. I truly don't know what you're doing because we just did those fingers things. You're, I hate saying it, there's no way you're going to get to heaven unless you know who he truly is, unless you truly have a relationship with him. So we're going to ask that question real quick, and then we're going to jump into worship in a little bit, and we're going to have opportunities to pray with leaders. Leaders are going to be spread out across the room, and if you really want to talk about that or ask questions, we're on this big question series, ask questions. I know Mark loves questions. I love questions. Ask the questions if you have questions, like, who is Jesus really? Like, one of my favorite books in the world is Jesus is a liar, lunatic, or Lord. That's a great question to ask, but sometimes we need to find out the answer. So we're going to be silent real quick. And we're just going to ask the question to ourselves. Do I really know Jesus? Do I truly know who he is? And now after asking that question, I want you to start asking God to reveal himself to you. Whether you do know who he is or, doesn't, or if you don't know who he truly is, ask God to reveal himself to you. You can also ask God to use you if you really know who he is. You could ask him to use you in a sense where that's at school, home, wherever at. finish this out, I want to reread a certain part of Isaiah 43. Um, we're going to start at verse 1 and finish the verse 7. So it's, do not fear for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, you are mine. 
And then fast forward, this is still God talking. Everyone who hears my name and is created for my glory, I have formed them. Indeed, I have made them. Pray with me real quick. Dear Lord, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for the chance for us to meet together today and really dive into where do we belong. God, I want to thank you for giving us a sense of belonging, whether that's in your house or in knowing that you redeemed us or you know us by name. But God, I pray for our students right now. I pray that their hearts are full of your love. And if not, that they're asking for that love. Because God, that love is more than we can ever need, but it's all we need as well. God, thank you for giving us the opportunity to meet together today. God, I pray that you continue to move through the students' hearts right now. I pray for the boldness of these students. If they have questions, if they want to talk to a leader, that they know that they can just stand up and go to one without judgment. And God, I pray for the students who are afraid of what their friends are going to think. Or God, I pray for the students who are worried about what if I don't belong playing the sport? What if I don't belong doing these certain things at home? God, I pray that they find their comfort in you. I pray that they find their belonging in you. Because you made us by your name. God, it says in Ephesians 4.10, you are, we are created by your workmanship through Christ Jesus to do good things. God, I pray that these students know that it's easy to say you're a Christian, but it's hard to work through it. God, I pray that you give them the courage to do those good things, to share your love. I thank you for today in your heavenly name.